and welcome to Finding Focus, a show that gives you actionable stories and hopefully interesting tales about how people find focus in our increasingly noisy digital world. So I'm really pleased to be here today with Jen Steele. She's CEO of Kissmetrics and an all-around amazing lady. You might know her from past roles at Reprise as VP of Marketing and a lot of other notable SaaS companies that I'm sure we'll jump into a bit. But she's also just an incredibly compassionate woman leader in the Seattle area with lots to share. And thank you for being here today, Jen. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me and your amazing intro. I'm like, who is she talking about? (laughs) Surprise, it's you. Actually, let's, (laughs) let's take a minute. What else did I miss? Let's give our audience a little bit bigger picture of Jen, maybe more than just your titles. I am the epitome of, you know, that cartoon of like, what people think success looks like and it's a straight line and what success actually looks like and it's like this crazy tangled knot. I am that crazy tangled knot. I have a degree from biology at MIT that I'd never did anything with. Applied to medical school, decided not to go. Went into IT for a while. Um, picked up an MBA in there. I, I ran IT departments at law firms. Burned out of that. Called up my career services office and said, I don't know what to do. I've been blogging a lot. And they're like, you have to talked to this company nobody ever heard of called HubSpot. And so I joined HubSpot in 2009 as employee number like 90-ish. And um, that was the beginning of my marketing career as a consultant telling people how to do marketing because that's exactly what you do with a tech executive. But, and then I just kept bebopping back and forth in marketing. I would do VP of marketing here. I would do CMO there. I would do product marketing over here. I did CRO over here. Um, And It's weird because sometimes I feel like the only thing that made all of those roles make sense is now being a CEO because I have to know how to do product, which I've done, and marketing, which I've done, and sales, which I've done, and CS, which I've done. And I was like, oh, cool. It actually makes sense now. So it's kind of, that's how I would describe myself is I'm one of those people that actually struggles to find focus, um, loves to learn. And as a result, those things have kind of led to a very strange career path. I like that. I'm envisioning the tangled knot sitting in the CEO chair, but that's exactly who you want there. You want someone, especially so at your current company, it's kind of a fast growing company. There's a lot of moving parts. You can't be sitting up in a lofty chair. You are literally sitting in the spot where you need to spot problems and you need to address challenges. I was going to bring up the fact that you've always been an inspiration for me and that you Appear, maybe I'd love for you to correct me here if I'm wrong. <laughs> you would really love a challenge. I, I've always noticed that you really like tackling things that need figuring out. Um, tell me a little bit more about that because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm on point, but that's no, my no, point. you're absolutely right. Um, one of the interesting things about taking, so, you know, I had been a CMO and a CRO and head of product marketing, head of growth, all of these different things. And then I went to Reprise as head of marketing and I realized that. I was good at the job. Like, there's no question. Like, Reprise was everywhere. I was building that brand. Even today, Gartner is still talking about the category that we created together. And yet, um, then I stepped into this role and I was like, wait, this is the first time I actually don't know how to do my job in a while. I realized that I had gotten to the point that I knew all the answers. That sounds horribly obnoxious. But fundamentally, It's hard to come at me with, especially an enterprise B2B sales and marketing technology SaaS question that I haven't seen at this point. Because I've worked at a lot of different organizations, 
or I've seen it on our CMO group, or I've seen, I've heard it from friends because, well, as you know, I'm always happy to take a call and listen, and always happy to ask for a call and ask. And so I do love a challenge and I didn't even realize that I wasn't getting it anymore until of course I stepped over to the CEO role and went, okay, so how do I run payroll? <laughs> Which is a very different question from how much am I investing in AdWords? Now, let's be honest, sometimes it can be frustrating and infuriating, but I'm getting the sense because I, I very much have that same sentiment. When you get a challenge, when you actually are faced with a challenge versus that kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm at the peak, I can do this in my sleep. Do you get like me? Do you actually get energy out of that? Because I, I when I'm on the when I'm at the point where I know a lot of things, I just slow down. Everything kind of gets lethargic and I, I don't want to say I stop caring, but it definitely becomes less. Yeah energizing do you feel that as well yeah i i don't know about the lethargy but i think i was compensating for it so i'm an extrovert mm -hmm. and as i got to know how to do all of my jobs or whatever i i found that i would take 8 to 12 meetings in a day plus i would take any call from anyone would ask, who would ask i'm an extrovert i was trying to get energy from people and do my job in these like five little five minutes you know pockets between meetings and this ended early and so I'm really quickly writing a press release or, or whatever that was because I'm really fanatical about press releases and so tended to write them even when I was CMO. The PR firms suck at press releases. I don't know why, but I think I'm here and earlier. You're like, this podcast is going to find me focus, Jen. Can you get on further? Yeah. Well, to be fair, when we first asked you, and I'm curious to re-ask this day, when I first asked you, how would yeah. you rate your ability to focus zero to 10? Do you remember what you wrote? I would, wouldn't be surprised if I was like one, zero, what, what was it? Well, you were feeling generous for yourself, I suppose. You gave yourself a six. Do you feel? Oh. Well, this conversation, rating, we've pulled my rating for the, for the day down. Um, but <laughs> today wasn't that bad. I was able to focus enough to figure out that... Um, I really need to hire a marketer when I can afford one because I can't catch my own mistakes. But I was able to sit down and focus for, you know, at least 45 minutes, which which in comparison to those five minutes that's in starts is a lot longer a block of time. Yes. I mean, I can't imagine. It would be hard for me to imagine a CEO of a fast growing company that could be more than a six, just given everything that's on your plate. I mean, there's so much there. If it's a small enough company, like when I was running a much larger team at a much larger company, I think that just eats up more of your day. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started at this company, because we've shrunk down to like, we're tiny. Um, I think we're slightly bigger than you, but only slightly, um, you know, 12 people or something like that. I just, I was like, I don't know what to do with a few hours without meetings. Mm -hmm. I had to reteach myself how to work. That's absolutely fascinating. You're right. The the kind of opposite uh, outcome happens when you shrink down instead of kind of always having something to do or to spin your wheels on, all of a sudden it becomes you're critical or you're tapping your fingers on your desk. <laughs> I haven't experienced the tapping yet. I, I look know. forward to that. <laughs> Not really, but it's more the like, like, I have all this stuff to do, none of which has a deadline. And so, yeah, I could, I could actually be tapping my fingers on my desk. It's just never yeah so I suppose we're never actually at a lack of things to do but let, let's take that for a moment and bring it kind of to the point of focus 
So if you've got this kind of array of things that could use your attention, we could call it prioritizing, but also how do you personally, how do you approach where to spend your time, where to place your focus? And right now I'm just talking about, I guess, within the work role, we can go to the, the bigger, the bigger life role as well. But how do you For actually- they're not that different, but you know, okay. Well, tell me about both then. Do you have a mental framework you use or what is your approach to, you know, spending time on the right things? So what's interesting is that, and I think this might be the point you were trying to make about when you work on a smaller team. So when you work on a larger team, the urgent can subsume all of the important because someone around you thinks something is urgent at all times. When you have fewer people around you, you just have fewer people demanding that something, they get something now, 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 now. Yes. And as such, it, it, if you have tons and tons of urgent around and you don't feel like dealing with life, you can just fight fire after fire. And some people do, and that makes them far less effective at their jobs. Um, or you can do your job intelligently and say, okay, what's absolutely urgent? Absolutely, like, no question. Or was that just a Slack question? Like, that might not be that urgent. Um, and then you look at what's important, what's really good, and move the needle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are coming in as, I don't know, the end CEO of Kissmetrics, because we've been around for 15 years. I've only been here for less than a year since last summer. And... I look around and sometimes I'm just like, why has nobody done this one thing? Mm. It could fix a big problem over here or there. And at some point I was just like, I don't care about the history anymore because it doesn't exist or I'd have to call somebody to get it. Um, and I don't, it doesn't matter to me that nobody ever did it before. I have decided that this is important and therefore I'm going to do it. And the way that I decide something's important is, well, what are our problems? Like right now, my free trial conversion rate sucks bites and blows oh, and so all of them so after i did a big project on cash flow which of course is the lifeblood of a startup and ours is bumpy because we have enterprise customers um so that was number one cash flow project and it was like okay i'm gonna look at this onboarding flow because we are doing something wrong and it turns out i did something very very wrong i forgot to put a login from the nurture emails to the product but you know we're just gonna gloss right over that one at the same time, I have, it's been three months that those emails have been alive. I probably should have been looking at this before now, but it finally bubbled up in both importance and urgency, right? I had to fix cash flow before that. I had to fix customer onboarding before that. And therefore now I can finally figure out the free trial. Yeah. And, and that's where it, and I don't do this every day, but you basically step back and you're just like, what's going to actually help? Because there's another 8,000 things I could have done. I could go edit our entire knowledge base for grammar. That's not going to move the needle, but I could do it. I'm just kind of curious. Do you rank move the needle, create benefit above fixed problems? Or, I mean, in some cases, they're very much the same. But if you had to spot something, do you normally go toward the problems that need fixing, like the holes that need filling, or the upside that could be gained? So... I don't know if it's me or just the role I'm in right now, but right now it's problem fixing, which is different than if I'm at an early stage startup that hasn't been around for 15 years, right? If I'm in an early stage startup, then I'm building things from, from scratch. And so then it's create benefit. How do I, although you could flip it both ways, how do I fill pipeline or how do I make up for a pipeline gap? Could actually be the same question. You're just spinning it one way or another. 
it's true. Or I was thinking we could go back, put our marketing hats on and use the dependable phrase. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yes. And I've actually gone through interviews for my last job. I went through and to one of the co-founders, he kept saying, what about this? And I'm like, no. And then he's like, what would you do? It depends. That was my entire interview. And I still somehow got the job. I absolutely love that. You know, it shows a willingness to look at all sides of the situation. So it's not, it's not. Then obviously told him how I would figure it out because if I, I just sit there going, no, it depends. I hope he wouldn't have hired me. <laughs> well, it's either this option A or option B. Well, let's say you've got something in mind. So let's even take, you know, your recent discovery around the nurture email. You you spotted there was something that you, in your mind, said, this is important. I'm going to focus on this for a certain amount of time or however long it takes. What do you, Jen, do to actually stay focused on that and not all the other things that are happening? Not the banking crisis, not the... <laughs> I know there's I know there's always room for distraction and good conversation, but what do you do when you have something that you need to sink your teeth into? Like, how do you actually bear down and, and get that done? So I will confess that there's the time I, I schedule to do it. And then there's the time a few days later that I actually do it. I love the candor. I, I once had a guest ask me, well, do I need to do everything perfectly to share with your listeners? I said, no, no, no. The point of this the point of this podcast is to present how real people actually try and not just succeed finding focus. So you're right. Sometimes we set aside time that, ne- that doesn't happen and then we eventually get to it later. Um, okay. Enough. Or I set aside time and something goes dreadfully wrong. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for a free trial. I forgot that I need a different website and I, I own a bunch of domains. I can stand something up on Wix and register the domain. That's fine. But there I am in the hair salon, mind you, choosing <laughs> from their crappy website try with foils in my hair and i can't make the GoDaddy and the wix dns play together and remember i used to be in it i do know how to make dns work and so i was completely stymied and here i'm like oh, i just want to do the starting steps and then i'm just like wait a second how many of our customers feel hopefully not registering their dns although we have people who come to us without websites yet like that are in the process of building them so, so that was driving me crazy and then I finally got it done and I stepped through a bunch of it yesterday, but all app side, not email nurture side, because the email nurtures didn't truly kick in. I was like, yeah, they're in my inbox, whatever, whatever. And then today I found the big problems. What's interesting is what happened in between there is I, I slept. And that's a huge one for me. And I've discovered this and I've been like this since at least college. And that is that the time that I plan to do it is usually the time that I'm loading my brain. Mm-hmm. And then I need to not do it because mm-hmm. I can sit there and I can try to grind at it. I can absolutely try to grind at it. I have been known to force myself to grind at it. And it turns out most of the time I would have been way better off if I had picked up my most recent crochet project and turned on my true, tri- true crime podcast instead to let my brain kind of simmer on it. Yes. And then the next day, all that list that I made yesterday that I was like, wow, this, some of this is going to be hard to fix. I was able to bang out in 20 minutes, get to the email and go, oh, expletive, delete it. Yeah. So, yes. There was a previous episode. We went into this a lot. They brought up the term of diffuse thinking. And it's it's similar idea, or maybe maybe it's slightly tangential. This one being more resting the brain, not not just going nonstop on the problem, but letting the brain relax and breathe. And then sometimes the clarity comes. I think diffuse thinking is a similar idea in the sense that 
if you let your brain kind of wander a bit or you give it the chance to think bigger, it often gets you the answer to the problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's that feels similar. Yeah. Whether it's sleeping or walking, um, you you mentioned sleep specifically. Is that kind of, I mean, just resting the brain literally, is that a big helper in terms of your focus? Yes. The best thing I can ever do if I have a decision. Now, I'm I'm very, very type A. I am one of those like ridiculously kind of like, I'm like very, very type A. Um, and so it drives me crazy to not make a decision immediately, except that I have learned that that decision immediately might be really dumb. And so I have now forced myself to when it's a larger decision or something that my emotions haven't settled around or my thoughts haven't settled around, like, nope, I'm going to sleep. I think that's super powerful. And your your description of yourself just then reminded me of something else you put in our initial form when we were chatting about finding focus. You mentioned uh, let me, I got to read it. Sometimes I'm able to focus. Other times I'm a rabbit on crack. <laughs> I was dying when I read that. Oh, I may have so... Picture it. They just didn't know a rabbit on crack. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Now, one other thing I was really intrigued by, you mentioned sleep is, is a key for you. You also mentioned something about music for focus. And I... Would love to hear more about that. I think you called it Focus at Will or something to that effect. Yeah. Focus at Will is an app that I signed up for, oh, I don't know, several phones ago. And it has, and I'm hoping it doesn't start playing right now, but it has a lot of different things, including a blank screen, where you can put in a focus session and you can choose things. Now, they also have things that are supposed to be specifically designed for ADHD or they've got coffee house noises or things like that. I hate those. But they also have movie music. They have a lot of different things. And you can choose an energy level. And for some reason, I always choose the high energy level. But unlike pulling up my Spotify and listening to some of my favorite bands, that actually distracts me a little bit because I'm I'm very verbally oriented and, and things that have words will tend to get my thoughts moving in directions that they shouldn't be, you know. Like suddenly I'm thinking of strange romance things and I'm supposed to be writing a nurture email. And what am I doing? Or I picture myself, I think you and I are doing the same thing, where I picture myself grabbing the microphone and I'm, you know, doing karaoke in the office all of a sudden. I'm like, this is my best song. Totally sing. Yeah. Totally sing. Or dance. Yes, absolutely. Which is kind of fun and work from home with my husband. He'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'm like, I'm I'm taxing. That's when you say oh, diffuse thinking, babe. Diffuse thinking. That's oh, there we go. Now I have the words for it. That's very helpful. It's supposed to be based on science, and so uh-huh. that's supposed to help. Um, if I really can't make myself do something, I put that on, and I have a Pomodoro timer. Yes. And what kills me is you put on the twenty-five minute Pomodoro timer, mm-hmm. and usually I'm done with that whatever task they've been putting up for days and days and days enough for me to like go like full on productivity. I'm usually done before the first freaking timer. It's hilarious how how much I can put off a task. And yes, the fact that I put it off as we were just talking about brain synthesis and things like that, the fact that I put it off some allowed my brain to work on it when I wasn't paying attention and therefore I could execute faster. But the other thing is that half the time the tasks I dread are like a three-line email to a cranky customer. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, something really simple. It seems to me like there's that real difference. And I think we've all seen it. I'm sure everybody listening has felt this too, where you can create a space to put something off consciously, but when you put it off unconsciously, 
that's really like the problem ones. Those are the ones where within a 25 minute Pomodoro time where you can get it done, right? Where you're like, yes, I just needed the deadline. I needed someone to tell me, get off your butt and do this. And that's sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And I think as executives, uh, we just, we don't have externally imposed deadlines unless we're working on like a team project or something like that, you know? Uh, like I got a product product launch or something, you know, you don't necessarily need to launch a campaign by a certain date that can slip, right? Yeah. Go somewhere else. And so it's, it's tough to hold yourself to deadlines when they're, when you know, they're artificial sometimes. Fair warning to our teams, go ahead and give us deadlines so that we actually do things. You can try. No, sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I would, I would agree with that. You mentioned you also work at home, as so many of us do today. Has has that helped or hurt your focus? So I'm not sure. I don't just work at home. I do have a WeWork, um, a desk at a WeWork, although it is in a shared space. And recently, one of the shared space people is one of those people that never gets off the phone and talks really loud. So that's less easy now to work at. It, and I have noticed that when I'm in the WeWork space, it's all work all the time. Like it, it, like it is, it, it can't be deep work because of said phone lady, but I, it's definitely all work all the time. So it's a great place for me to deal with spreadsheets and finances and things like that. Home, um, I need to be, if I'm doing something creative, I need to be like feet up on the couch, right? Sometimes glass of wine nearby, right all yes. of that. So, yes. Creative, what is it? Uh, right drunk, edit sober. Oh, I love that. I I need a t-shirt with that on it. That's up my alley. <laughs> so, yes, another productivity hack. If you really can't get over that light writer's block, have a glass and watch. <laughs> There's something to be said for that. For those with other tastes, I, uh, I'm i always, I need whiskey to write well. That's, See, what, that's what gets my juices. I'm having a crack. It's either after wine, which so I shouldn't be touching my work. Or um, I'm having such a bad day that again shouldn't be touching my work. <laughs> that is true. You can't you can't uh, send that email just quickly if you've just had uh, yeah. an angry day and glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Who is someone that you read or follow that you kind of look to for guidance around staying focused, or or someone that's you know you've read something that got you excited to to be more mm-hmm. more focused in there? You mentioned Dharmesh Shah. Tell me a little bit yeah. about his. He's work. the co-founder of HubSpot. He was the CTO and he was the author of On Startups. I was thinking and... about like productivity people. I was not even in the SaaS space. Oh, thank you. Bring uh, it back. I'm like, oh, I don't follow productivity people. They're annoying. I mean, they, they're like productive. Podcasts I've started listening to that I'm just finding annoying, like the lazy genius, be a genius about things that matter and lazy about things that don't. I mean, it's probably great for people who like home productivity tips, but I'm like, who could I hire to do that thing? Yeah, uh, but it's watching Darmesh build in public. You and I have had lots of conversations about building in public, but watching Darmesh build in public, especially knowing him, right? Co-founder of HubSpot when I was early HubSpot, but also watching him who's by nature a technologist then fold in people and see what makes sense. But also when I was even at HubSpot, he was very honest about what he liked to do and what he didn't and yeah. why he didn't want to be in charge of a team. He was in charge of this thing over here instead. And and seeing him optimize for his own work style that was untraditional, especially for like a slow MBA, 
seeing him optimize for something that was untraditional, I think has given me permission to optimize for my less traditional habits. That is an incredibly compelling statement to me. And I think that the, the point in there that I really personally picked up on is the distinction between what you are going to focus on is often the distinction of what you're not going to focus. It's often drawing a line between what you're not going to focus on. So I'm, it's fascinating for him, especially as a leader of such an important and at the time growing company to say there are things I am not going to do is, is really inspirational. That's a really good point. Has it, are there things on your plate today that you like, tell me, you know, you said he inspired you from an untraditional perspective of what you want to work on and what you don't. What is the don't for you? What are the things that you don't? Well, I'd be happy never to write an email sequence again. Uh, it's, it's, it, <laughs> I, I was fortunate at a lot of jobs to have big teams. And so I knew that I'm, I'm colorblind. I'm not good at detail. I'm not good at, you know, step-by-step process. And so I would always hire to make up for those three things. It's not to say I don't have opinions on them, but they're things that I come better. I'm better if I come in and I optimize them than if I, I write them from scratch. I don't have that choice now. I don't have anybody in the marketing function. I have one person in the sales function. We are really built to serve our customers. Like my personnel are all in dev and and CS. And and so the moment I can, I'll hire somebody else to do my email sequences or or any of the other things that it's in the back of my mind. Like, would I like to rev the website more? Yes, it needs to be a bit more you know, we've got a great offering for product-led growth that is nowhere on my website, but I haven't had time to do it. And not only do I have to change the website, but I have to train internally on how to deal with it. And so it's just something that I've had to table for lack of time and resources in favor of fixing cash flow, fixing customer onboarding, you know, attempting our own product-led growth, because I think we'll have a more compelling story if we actually can do our own product-led growth and not just tell people to do product-led growth. Yeah. Do you find that, is there anything that falls into your, uh, let's say, I guess what I'm thinking of is it's amazing how sometimes we tell ourselves to focus and do the thing that has to be done, but sometimes we focus better when that thing is in our wheelhouse, right? So are there things that you focus on because you know they're your strengths? It sounds a little bit like that's what Darmesh did, which is to kind of say what he really was good at and then go at that and not worry too much about the other side of things. That does make sense. And and we were able to hire, you know, a great VP of engineering who could handle managing the team that he didn't want to manage, for example. Yeah. When I, the moment I can, I will hire a marketer who grew up in demand marketing. Why? Because that's the stuff I stuck at the most. I came from product marketing. You pull them where, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I hire to my weaknesses. And when you have the luxury to hire to your weaknesses, um, I would highly recommend to do that first so you don't have to do the stuff you don't want to do. I also want to fire myself as CFO as soon as humanly possible, especially after all of this bank stuff that's been going on. I like that. CEO Jen is going to hire CMO Jen and fire CFO Jen. (laughs) If I possibly can. Yes. Well done. Well, one of the fun things I asked, which I love because this this world of imagining where we should be and could be, I asked you if you could wave a magic wand, what would you invent for to help the world focus better? You had a really great answer tied to calendaring. Do you want to tell everybody about that? 
Yeah, it was basically the, like, I wish everybody had the same blocks to focus um, because that would be wonderful. My best focus time is first thing in the morning. Unfortunately, most of my team's on the East Coast. First thing in my morning is the, like, the beginning of their day and they're starting to message, et cetera. And so that has uh, repercussions on my focus time. It's so true. There was a great podcast. I want to say it was Brene Brown, but it might have been Glennon Doyle that said, my inbox looks like everybody else's to-do list. And it's because we're all off on different times. You know, I, I fire things off in the evening because I get a lot of work done after the kids go to bed. Well, my team that's on the East Coast wakes up and goes, oh my God, I can't focus because Melissa just sent me all this stuff. So that, yes, I yeah. love that magic wand idea of, boom, we're all focused at this time. And then boom, we're all communicating with each other and asking demands. That would be yeah. a nice magic wand thing. I think that's my favorite magic wand I've heard so far. I think that's <laughs> All the other ones are like, I wish like the, you know, all the stuff I didn't want to do would disappear, which is also in Well, that kind of goes without saying. Yeah. That's everybody's initial magic wand. Let's zoom out a little bit. I know we've talked a bunch about work and that's because you and I are always invigorated by the work we do and it's exciting. Tell me a little bit more if you zoom out from work and the priorities between work and life and being a healthy, happy gen and finding focus in your life overall? Like, What are some of the things that drive your bigger focus? And I know that for a lot of us that can be tied to work, but maybe there's something else, you know, that kind of pulls you along. Yeah. So this is, I'm actually going to go back to Dharma Shah because he used to call it not work-life balance, but just work plus life. Mm. And it was something I think with the pandemic, we had to learn to do because suddenly our work was taking place where our life was taking place. Yeah. And so there's a few things here. One is that um, I don't have children. I don't have pets. I don't have plants. I always joke that my husband and I have startups. This is what we have decided to do. And it, as such, that is where the bulk of my and his mental energies go. He's a principal developer um, and I'm obviously a CEO. So work is, is where the bulk of our time and energy ends up. And I'm not saying we work all the time. I'm saying, though, that when it comes to prioritization, there's a reason that I'm listening to a true crime podcast and not, I don't know, learning Spanish. It's that I need to turn my brain off. And so you think about work like a pro athlete would think about work. Mm. And so then what do I need to do to get my body in mind there? And so for me, that is a certain workout cadence. Although as I get older, I get injured more often. So then you bring in a personal trainer and, you know, all of that stuff happens. But also focusing fun and understanding like when I'm going to have fun and when I'm not. And I try to balance. I had, I have a lot of friends in the restaurant industry. They can't meet for dinner or drinks. They can meet for lunch. So on Wednesday, I had lunch with one of them. And I had an hour and a half and a great time and didn't talk about work because we don't have the same work. Yeah. And so for me, it's, there's always a give and take, but my priorities are honestly, yes, my company, my job, that's probably out of whack. And then kind of my physical and mental well-being. Yeah. Well, I think I love that call out of it though, which is work is is like a driving focus for you. And that's a good and healthy thing. But you do these other things to kind of make sure that you're finding balance in the work and you're not just, you know, burning out for the sake of work, but you're actually in, yeah, you're preparing yourself to enjoy the work more and to thrive mm -hmm. in the work. And that's, that's and I've learned so many things about 
Uh, my job requires so much synthesis. I actually tried for two weeks. I can't remember if it was December or January. I was going to sit in front of my computer until my work was done. And I got so much less work done in those two weeks than when I close my computer sometimes at one o'clock and go take a walk or I, you know, anything like that. Go to the gym at 11 a.m., sit down and listen to podcasts at three o'clock, even though I didn't start my day today until nine or something like that, you know. But instead, I was there like I'm like 7 a.m. to whatever p.m. I was going to like work. And I got so much less done. Because I couldn't be opportunistic. I didn't recharge my energy. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, what, you know, I love the work plus life and the work-life balance. There's a lot of ways of thinking about it. Um, there's another woman who is an early guest on our show, Melina Regos, and she talks about fitting work into life. But I think no matter what the approach is, it's all about doing the thing you want to do in like the healthiest way, right? right. In the way that you still feel energized by it. and it's And it's feeling like something that's where you want to be spending your time and not draining. So that could be work and it could be different, all sorts of different things. Yeah. Um, and learn to recognize when you're cooked. And that could be at 11 a.m. Yeah. And if you have the luxury to step away, step away. You cannot, when I had eight to 12 meetings a day, I didn't matter if I was cooked at 11 a.m. I was still getting through my meetings. But if I can step away, I do. And sometimes the stepping away depends. I loved your point about the friend. It depends on the opportunities you want to grab, whether that's lunch with a friend. For me, are the light up where I live is very uh, different year to year. So in the winter, if it's midday and it's a blue sky, I will go outside. I will cancel meetings yeah. because I have to. And so taking those other opportunities when they're needed is kind of the yes, must do. I like the one with the friend, the restaurant, and you have to make their time, make it work for them. Yeah. Or you could go check out their amazing restaurant, I'm sure. I did that too, but you know, I really enjoy the, the opportunity to sit uh, to as much as I love talking to them on other sides of the bar. I love even more just sitting and talking to them on the same side. Wonderful. Well, you know, finding focus is about staying focused, and we have hit our time, so we should wrap up and keep ourselves on track with our day. I'm sure our listeners have things to do as well. But before we go, where could people find out or follow you or enjoy more of Jen? Ah, enjoy. Uh, I am basically Jen Steele everywhere. J-N-N-S-T-E-E-L-E. -E -E. And I am most active on LinkedIn. And then if you would like to see a lot of wine in Seattle's skyline pictures, then Instagram. And that's about it. I, I kind of gave up on the Twitter when Elon took over and it got a little weird. Twitter can be uh, the opposite of focus sometimes, which is okay for certain reasons, but it can be. Great. And then also for anybody who was listening to, so Jen is with Kissmetrics. So go and check out that. Make sure you sign up for the nurture email so you get the CTA. Sign up for a free trial. Give me feedback. You know they're not great. We <laughs> love the feedback. Small growing companies always want the feedback. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for the time today, Jen. It's great to talk with you as always. And I appreciate you coming on. Oh, it's great to talk to you. Take care.